morning, uh, you know, we've been looking, started looking at our mission statement a little bit, and I want to talk this morning a little bit from our mission statement, but it really is a straightforward message. It's a, I think we have to take inventory as believers and just really say, okay, where, where are we? And, you know, we, we sing songs many times, and, you know, Christianity in America is, is, is obviously evolving in different ways. It, it's, it's always evolving in, in different aspects as well, but I think there is a consumerism that exists within Christianity sometimes, and it's like, what I want, what I can get, what's best for me, and that's it. But really, it's, it's almost which side of the serving line are we on? You know, um, I was at Josiah's Athletic Banquet Friday night, and I went and got, the girls and I, we went and got food, we sat down, and, and I was thinking, man, they got a lot of stuff to clean up afterwards but I'm not responsible for this this time. You know, because usually when we're doing stuff here, there's responsibility. And, and, and I was thinking, I kind of like being on this other side and, and just come in and eat and go home and, and that's it. Um, but I think as Christians, sometimes we, we live a little bit like that too, is, is we want to be on the side where, Lord, I want my prayers answered, I want this, I want this, I want this. But we're really called to be on the other side of the line. The other side of the counter, maybe, is a better way to look at it. To be serving, to be walking out. And I'm not implying that we're not serving or anything. But there's one thing in our mission statement that I think um, I want us to look at this morning. And then um, in two weeks when we do Pentecost Sunday, we'll come back and we'll look at it again. It's the last three words, active in missions. What does it mean for us to be active in missions? And I really want to talk this morning just from a personal aspect for each of us. Yes, as a church, this is, this is what I believe we, we are to do as a church, but really just challenging us individually to be more active in missions. You know, active means to be engaged in or to participate in. Thus, we want to be, as James says, doers of the Word, that we don't just hear the Word but we're doers of the word, that we're active, that we're engaging, we're participating in what we're hearing and what we're learning and putting it into action. We know this. We, we've heard this many times. You know, to, to be um, active in missions means that, um, or let me just define missions before we get to that. Missions, sharing the gospel with the lost world through God's wisdom and strength. Ultimately, missions, sharing the gospel, what's local, what's global, it's we have a responsibility to be actively engaged in sharing the gospel. Now, the gospel message is broad sometimes, the, the way that, that we, we put it out there. Well, God is love. Yes, God is love. But, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about the tension that we live in between grace and truth. That a lot of times people want to live on one side. They want to live on the grace side or they want to live on the truth side. But really, we live in the tension of it, that we're gracious, we love people, we care for all people, but yet there's a truth we have to speak to people as well. And Paul does this very clearly in Romans as he goes through. He says, look, God is love. God cares for you. But yet every person is without excuse. He says in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Romans, you're, or not the Romans, the Gentiles, you're without excuse. You should know Jesus Christ by now. Or you should know God the Father through creation or through this or that. He, he hits the Jews as well. And he, and he concludes in chapter 3 and in chapter 6, look, for the wages of sin is death and all have fallen short and are all sinners. And he keeps going through, saying there's life and, um, with God and what it looks like. And, and in chapter 10, he gets around and says, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's been raised from the dead, you're saved. So a lot of times when we say sharing the gospel, we all have these different ideas of what it means. Is Let me just tell everyone that they're loved and I've shared the gospel. But there comes a time we have to put some, some words or some truth to that. And there's the other side of let me just tell people, hey, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you need to get saved. And there's got to be some, some action, some loving action put to that. So I think when we talk about being active in missions, it's actions and words being combined together. It's serving. It's loving the people around us. It's, it's, it's giving clothes. It's, it's being the hands and feet of Christ. But it's more than that, too. It's, it's putting words to that. It's engaging people with the truth. One time, or not one time, but a lot of times we fall on one side of that. Oh, I just want to give and give and give. God is love. But it requires that we, we give people a chance to respond. How can they respond if we don't speak it? And on the other side, we speak, speak, speak. But we never show love because sometimes the way we speak is not showing that love. John Maxwell, he takes credit for this, but I think someone else probably coined it. He said, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. And that's the type of people we want to be is, is people who, who are full of action and the word. That we're loving people. That, that we're serving people. But yet, it, it doesn't stop there. That we're willing to say, yes, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life but we're also sinners. And we don't always have to say it like that, but we have this problem that separates us from God. And there is a solution to the problem, and that is Jesus Christ. We have to believe in those things, and I think we do believe in those things, but, but part of being active in missions is putting them out. You know, our mission is to proclaim Christ as the only way to abundant eternal life. It doesn't matter if you came to Jesus yesterday as Lord and Savior. We all have a responsibility. And I think it's safe to say that everyone in this room we're believers. We have put our faith in Jesus Christ. But yet we throw out these excuses sometimes. It's not my gift. Because you're talking about evangelism. Yeah, about 10% of the, of the body of Christ has a gift of evangelism. And you can see an evangelist very clearly. It just flows out of them. But yet everyone has a responsibility to be an evangelist in some ways, to share their faith. My gift's not hospitality, but yet there's a responsibility for me to be hospitable. My gift may not be mercy, but yet I have to show mercy. My gift may not be giving, but I have to be giving. There's certain gifts that I have, but we all operate in the fruits of the Spirit and also in the, in the way that God wants us to operate as well. And to share our faith with others is, is, is not an excuse where we can say, well, it's not my gift. We all have that responsibility. I've heard people say, well, it's not my place. Meaning that, well, maybe, maybe you know, living beside my neighbor, I don't want to, you know, create any tension or anything awkward there or with someone who sits beside me or this, this, and this. I've even said that at times, I believe. Well, it's not my place. So we're fine then with just people being separated forever from God. We heard these testimonies, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't plan to do these testimonies this morning, but, but I was sitting there during the second or third one thinking, wow, here are people testifying about the greatness of God. And, and, and we heard in one that life is short, that we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We heard in another that, that God is amazing, that He heals, that, that God opens doors, He provides cars. And we're not going to tell others about our great and mighty God. We're scared of the way they might react. It's not us they're rejecting, they're rejecting Him. I've heard others say, well, what if? What if I, I get this one question? What, what if this or what if that? Man, God will, will be there. I mean, there's times when I say, I don't know the answer to that, but God does. 
My point is, we sometimes live in a fear when it comes to sharing our faith, because we've seen televangelists do it a certain way, or we've seen certain things, and there's this mindset that we have. But really, I think we are sharing our faith in a lot of ways. And that's the encouragement that I want to give you, is I believe you are. But I also want to challenge you to, to let God stretch you a little bit more in this. You know, Paul talks to the Romans, and, and we're going to turn to, to Romans chapter 10 here in a minute. You can go ahead and turn there. But I was thinking this week, you know, one thing about sharing our faith is, is I believe we don't feel the urgency that we need to feel. You know, I'm not one to predict when Jesus is coming back. I wouldn't even put it in the century. I wouldn't even put it in a decade to, to boil it down. But, but a lot of people say, well, you know, Jesus come back really, really soon. And, and that may be true. And Jesus may not be coming back anytime soon. But there's a parable um, about the master who went away and the servants are playing, basically. They're not doing their job. And here comes the servant and the master back. And they weren't ready. There's others that, that have kind of talked about other parables that Jesus spoke as well. You see, there's an urgency I think we have to have and we have to lay hold of is, look, there's times when, when you know, my neighbor, I may be interacting, and I'm like, well, I've always got tomorrow. I've always got next week. I've always got next time. Because we're talking about something that's, that's you know, totally not spiritual right now. And how am I going to steer this around or, or whatever? And, and not every conversation has to be steered around that way. But there's a, urge, a lack of urgency sometimes that we have of saying, well, tomorrow or next week or whatever. But I want to just put out, what if we knew Jesus was coming back at midnight? If we lived under that assumption, he's coming back at midnight. And because he's coming back at midnight, one, I'm going to get myself right. And two... Not just saying I'm going to get myself right. I want to make sure my friends and my family and everyone else is right. The strangers on the street, I'm going to make sure they're right. The person who's serving me at lunch or the person who's walking through my neighborhood, I'm going to be stopping to tell them Jesus is coming back. And if they don't want to get with it, then that's their own problem. But I've done what I needed to do. Anyone have your check engine light on right now? You know, sometimes you drive around with your check engine light on. You know, the thing is, what, what the government did, I believe, or, or the auto industry in numbers of year, years ago, is they put these, these diagnostic computers in your car so your check engine light comes on. And so it basically tells you there's a problem. And, and you can read the code, and the code will kind of tell you, okay, you have this problem, this problem. It usually means there's a major, urgent problem or something bad could happen to your car. The engine's just not functioning right. Now, you can't have a malfunctioning sensor. That happens every now and then. But I saw that 10% of Americans drive with their check engine light on. 10% is not a lot if you think about it in some ways. But what struck me about this is 50% of that population have done so for more than three months. For more than three months. I mean, for one day, two days, three days, I can understand, right? But that light is not to be ignored. I mean, yeah, check your gas cap, first of all, to make sure it's not something small like that. And, but beyond that, it's saying there is a problem in your engine. Now, the list of reasons they gave, there was a whole litany of excuses for ignoring the light. It says some turned a blind eye because the indicator, uh, towards the indicator, because the car seemed to be running fine. It starts, right? It gets you there and it gets you back. Others pointed to the lack of funds, just don't have the money. And, and that makes sense. This, it can be an expensive repair. Still others just simply noted, hey, I just don't have time. 
to worry about the diagnostics and the, and the repairs that may follow. I just don't have time to put my car in the shop. But a gen can tell you what it's like not to have a car, right? That if, if it blows up or it dies, it's going to create more problems. But, you know, really what this study was, was saying is that there's excuses and passivity when it comes to the check engine light. Because things are running fine. Things are, are going just fine. And I thought, wow, this, this relates to us in terms of, of sharing our faith and reaching out. Is things run fine many times? Ernest was talking about it. We check the list off. Go to church, check. Study my Bible, check. Pray, check, give. All these things. But when it comes to certain aspects that are a little more stretching or challenging or may require some inconvenience on our own part, you could say, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm being blessed by God. God's answering my prayer. Things are good. And I want to encourage us to overcome the excuses and passivity that exist in our lives. When Paul's writing to the Romans in, in chapter 10, you know, this, the whole letter of Romans is, is an argument, a case for following Jesus Christ. And he gets to, to chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and he says, you know, confess Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. And he begins to, to go forward in, in the next few verses and saying, you know, God's received everyone, the Jews and the Gentiles, God has received them all in. And he begins to uh, anticipate some questions that the Jews are going to have towards him. And we get to verse 14, and, the, and these are the questions. And a lot of times maybe you've heard these verses used as a great missionary text. You know, go because no one's heard. Go because, you know, they need preachers. And, and, and I think there's an application to that. But really the context is Paul's anticipating four questions here. So he believes the Jews are going to ask these questions as they, as they read what, what he's already written. And he says this, But how can they call on him who have not, they not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? In other words, what, what Paul's saying is he anticipates that his Jewish audience is going to be receiving this letter. They're going to say, look, how am I supposed to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth if I haven't heard? How can I believe that? If I haven't heard, then how can I believe? And, and how can I hear if there's not a preacher being sent to me? And Paul's saying, no, no, no. I'm anticipating these questions. But look, in verse 16, but all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, and he goes back to the Old Testament, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. What he's saying is, look, the Jews that are, are going to ask these questions, you're without excuse. You're asking the wrong questions. Because you're saying, how can I hear this message if no one's come to preach it to me? Thus, I can't believe if I've never heard this message. And Paul's saying, no, no, you've heard this message. That's why he references Isaiah. He goes back to the Old Testament. He talks about in Romans 1, even creation testifies. And he's saying really to these Jewish readers who are going to read this letter is, look, you're without excuse. You have really used this as a, as a reason not to follow Christ, and really you're without excuse. It's, the, it's a very clear message in some ways. He's basically saying, why aren't you responding to the gospel? I read it this week and I was just like, wow, this message for us really isn't anything new. Because when you begin to read your Bible, I don't think you can get very far without hearing the message from the beginning to the end that God has created us 
to be his, me- his messengers, his ministers of reconciliation. He created Israel. The whole reason he blessed Israel was to be the nation, a priest that would go forth into the world and, and, and shine the light to all the nations. And as the church was, was birthed and, and, and the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, Jews and Gentiles were invited both into and, and then to be sent out into the world. The message isn't new, but, but the question sometimes we have to ask is why aren't we responding to it? There's fear, absolutely. But I really think it comes down a lot of times to a lack of urgency. We don't feel the urgency. Oh, we'll see that person tomorrow. We'll see them next week. Now look, I'm not necessarily saying how we go about preaching the gospel because I think there's a discernment that comes in each and every situation. I think we start with prayer many times. I think prayer is first and foremost. We pray for those around us. But then we're guided by the Spirit. There's times when you are given open doors and the Spirit lays it upon your heart and you speak. There's other times when you're going to serve. You're going to give a ride. You're going to give clothes. You're going to give food. And it's going to open the door. Paul, Paul, not Paul, Peter. First Peter says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is there within you. We've got to be ready. But yet, there's an urgency that we have to understand. We're not passing it off to the next person. Oh, this person's going to do it. This person's going to, because they're a little more gifted, they can speak better. We are called to be active in missions. I looked up a few um, texts, a few quotes from church fathers, not so far church fathers, but there's a couple from Charles Spurgeon that really are very cutting. And I, and I thought, wow, you know, Charles Spurgeon, great British English um, pastor back in the late 1800s you bring up the first one i mean he, he, he doesn't mince words on the first one he basically says every christian is either a missionary or an imposter every christian is either a missionary or an imposter that offends me to be honest with you because there's times when I just want to read my Bible, pray, go home, turn on the TV, and not worry about anyone else. Just to be honest. But I thought, man, there's truth in that. He gave another one. It's a little bit longer. It says, do you want arguments for, winning, for soul winning? Look up to heaven and ask yourself how sinners can ever reach those harps of gold and learn their everlasting song unless they have someone to tell them of Jesus. And who is mighty to, or tell them of Jesus who is mighty to save? But the best argument of all is to be found in the wounds of Jesus. You want to honor him, you desire to put many crowns upon his head, and this you can this you can best do by winning souls for him. These are the spoils that he converts. And these are the trophies for which he fights, and these are the jewels that that shall be his best adornment. And I like that because it's talking about the aspect that God is the one that does it. He really just wants to use us as a mouthpiece or as a messenger. It is God that ultimately does it. And David, David Plate or Platt, not really sure how you say his last name. I know we did the, the multiply material, more of a modern day. He says, we email, Facebook, tweet, and text with people who are going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. Our lives are too short to waste on mere temporal conversations when massive eternal realities hang in the balance. Just as you and I have no guarantee that we will live through the day, 
that people around us are not guaranteed tomorrow either. So let's be intentional about sowing the threads of the gospel into the fabric of our conversations every day, knowing that it will not always be easy, yet believing that eternity will always be worth it. And I just like that part there. It says, so let us be intentional about sowing the threads of the gospel into the fabric of our conversation every day. Jen said it. She she shared this testimony with, with many others. That's sowing in the fabric that is there. God answers prayer. It's sowing in to the fabric of the conversation. When we're challenged and we're believing God's going to bring breakthrough. When we share blessings, we share all those things, it begins to weave those com- that, that thread into the conversations of the gospel. You know, I believe, you know, how each of one of us walks this out is, is a lot of times based upon the different ways that we're gifted, the different ways that God has wired us. But yet God has placed us in, in many different places for a reason. You know, I love what Jackie shared last week in terms of just praying for, over her kids and just believing that. And that's a step in, in getting to that place. Because I know she's limited sometimes in the classroom. We may have certain limitations that are, that are there, but yet our God is bigger than that. You know, it wasn't easy a few weeks ago when, when we stood, when the four of us stood at sheets and were asking people, hey, can we pray for you? But you know, no one, no one really said no straight out. They're like, oh, I'm good, I'm fine, you know. They might have said something like that. And we're all still standing here today. But it was amazing how people said, sure, you can pray for me. How easy it was then to engage somewhat in conversation. Joe and I went out another day and we were at a car wash and a lady just had a dog, a little small dog. And I was like, is that a full-grown dog or not? And we ended up having a 10-minute conversation, spiritual conversation. It's not that difficult. We, I think we psych ourselves out many times. And I just want to encourage us just to begin to, to go forth and, and be intentional to engage people in conversation. And the question, hey, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, are you really? I mean, I don't always like when someone asks me, are you really? Okay. You know, we've talked about some questions we can ask to engage. I just want to encourage us just to, just to engage people in different ways. This is one way that we show the action of love and to see how we can serve them in the process of that as well. So Lord, use us to be more active in sharing the message of the gospel. Not just telling people they're loved, but also sharing the way to come into relationship with you, Lord. Lord, use us in many different ways. Lord, I pray that you will just forgive us, Lord, for for the times that we just haven't done this. But Lord, remind us that there was someone who told us about you. And Lord, I'm so grateful for that person in my own life. And Lord, I know there's people around us who are lost, who are hurting, who have no hope, no joy. Lord, you're wanting to use us. And so use us, Lord. Let us show them your love both in action and in word. Lord, we thank you just for the reality that we face is that, yes, there's fear. 
Sometimes we just don't know because it's awkward. And so, Lord, fill us up with your spirit each and every day. Lord, let us, let us try, and if we fail, pick us up. Show us other ways. Or Lord, help us not to make excuses. Help us not to, to be passive in this. Or call us to be active in missions. Help us to begin by praying over our neighborhoods or our homes or our workplaces or wherever it may be, Lord. Lord, it's not in our strength and our way. It's in your strength and your way. Lord, we stand here. Use us. That's our posture. Here we are. Use us. And thank you, Lord, that you've used and you continue to use imperfect people, broken people, to be the vessels and messengers of your message. So to you be the glory, Lord. And Lord, may there be testimonies flowing forth from each and every one of us of how we spoke, of how we loved through our actions and how it brought someone closer to you. How it brought them into relationship with you. Not for our glory, but for your glory. We praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want our prayer ministers to come forward this morning if you need prayer. They are here.